Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we're back, folks. Another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. A little bit longer hiatus, but you know, a lot of things going on this summer. And it gave us time to accumulate some more things to talk about. Tim McCormick and I, you ought to know who he is by now, former Michigan standout before going on to the NBA as a first-round draft pick, 10-year NBA vet. After his playing career was over, he stepped over into the analyst role and has been doing color commentating. Color, color commentary with college basketball for years now. Also an analyst on the Pistons broadcast. And then, of course, right here uh, with me on the Michigan Basketball Insider talking Michigan basketball. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm actually transitioning from being an NBA fan back to a college basketball fan. Um, I just love the NBA playoffs. And so I've really enjoyed that. Giannis is amazing and just a lot of good stories. But um, there's so much still to talk about with college basketball. So let's dive in, Sam. Yeah, man. Just a quick word. I, I just the amazing, amazing, amazing improvement free throw wise before our eyes by Giannis Antetokounmpo. Learn that while watching yeah. these NBA playoffs. But it was amazing to see that. And then just amazing to compare and contrast him to where he was as an 18-year-old, a 6'9", 190-pounder, a 6'11", 245-pounder now that hit 17 to 19 free throws on his way to 50 points. Tim, that was as good a finals performance as you'll ever see. No doubt. And, you know, actually, I think he's a pretty decent free throw shooter. His first couple years in the league, you know, he was in the mid-70s, which is really good. And um, a couple of observations, I think that a couple of years ago when he was playing um, for Greece, that, that he, in the and that might have been the World Games, he, um, he missed a bunch of really crucial free throws. And I think it caused him to lose his confidence. And the other thing that was interesting to me, I kind of got caught up with the fans for games one and two when the fans were all counting. So every free throw, I was just, I, um, I pulled out my phone and put on my timer. And, and he was over 10 seconds, usually 11 or 12 on every free throw. Um, but at home against Phoenix, uh, he was down around eight seconds. So his tempo is much quicker. And I think that, that by doing that, it probably sped him up a little bit and he just got more of a flow. So it was really, it was really a, a remarkable performance, as good as I've ever seen. Yeah. Terrific, terrific, terrific. Uh, but like you said, transitioning over to the college side of things. And yeah, this is the day and age of, of player movement. I know we talked a lot about NIL uh, lately, and we will talk about NIL again in this podcast. But before that, we were talking about, man, the freedom of movement for players now and what impact that's going to have on a game. Uh, so I really wanted to pick your brain, Tim, based on what you've seen across college basketball, what you've seen in the Big Ten the teams that you think really, really help themselves with transfers here in the off season? Well, the, the obvious one is Texas, right? Um, Shaka smart went to Marquette 
Chris Beard moved over to Austin, I would imagine that they probably were pretty aggressive with some of their name image likeness deals um, because the players just flocked there. And to me, they've got the best roster in the country right now. Marcus Carr, all Big Ten from Minnesota. We know how good he is. A kid named Timmy Allen, he's a big and talented wing, made first team all Pac-12. Scores in the high teens. He's a really good rebounder. Uh, my favorite player is Trey Mitchell, who I broadcast a bunch the last two years at UMass. Um, he's an NBA player, 6'9", 250. He's really good in the post, but he's got three-point range. And and then you've got a kid named Christian Bishop, who, if you watch the NCAA tournament closely, he was really good for Creighton and averaged 10 and, and five or six rebounds during the season. So Texas just loaded up. And another team that always loads up is Kentucky. And I think they've got the best twosome. Um, Oscar, Oscar Shibway was at West Virginia, and I think he is a physical presence, maybe the best rebounder in college basketball. And another guy that I broadcast a lot over the last two years is Kellen Grady from Davidson. He scored over 2,000 points. And the one thing that, that Calipari has been missing the last few years is that maturity and leadership. And he's always got good recruits, good young players, but now he's got a couple of veterans to really show the way. And then after that, uh, it, there's a lot of teams that help themselves. I think Alabama and Auburn and the SEC, uh, Huber Davis in North Carolina got a couple of good ones. And, and then also teams that help themselves in different ways. I think Illinois keeping Kofi makes them relevant. Um, Johnny Juzang and, and Jaime Akez coming back to UCLA makes a difference. So, um, but I would put Michigan right up there in that group of the best seven or eight teams in the country. Yeah, and that's why this is a relevant discussion. I mean, you look around at who people expect to contend. Michigan is is right there in that conversation. And so the talk about Texas specifically, I mean, they're going to get, you mentioned they are have the number one roster. They're going to get some number one votes. You know, the question is, how does Chris Beard put it all together? I mean, a couple other guys in that mix, the D- Dylan Disu or Daisu kid from Vanderbilt. You know, he was a 15-point-per-game yep. scorer at, at Vanderbilt, Tim. They're returning a couple double-digit scorers in, in Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey. And, and so you add that to, to Timmy Allen, who you mentioned, Trey Mitchell, who you mentioned, Christian Bishop, who you mentioned. And then you, you get a point guard who is more of a scoring point guard than Marcus Carr than a setup man, it's not to say that it won't all fit together. And Chris Beard did a good job of fitting rosters together with transfers and JUCOs and whatnot during his time at Texas Tech. So he's shown the ability to craft, to put pieces together. But this this one is going to be real interesting. You got a lot of a lot of guys that are used to, you know, scoring the basketball. Are they going to be guys that can can defer a little bit and pass it off a little bit too? Well, Carr and Allen and Mitchell all want to play in the NBA. And are they going to be good teammates? Are they going to share the ball? That is a major, major question. One of the biggest questions in all of college basketball. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I I wonder what you make of Kofi Coburn's decision to go back to Illinois. Because, I mean, I, I, I thought for sure that he was going to go somewhere. I thought most likely Kentucky. Follow a couple of assistant coaches over that way. 
But to you know to back out of the draft, you get it. But then to go through the whole exercise of I'm in the portal, I'm looking around, I'm going to announce a decision, and then go back to Illinois. What did you What did you make of that? So to me, I think he was posturing for some name, image, likeness, love. Uh, um, I think that he had a lot of leverage, and that was really one of the first opportunities for for a school to say, "Look, we need you. We want you. We can help you." Um, I don't know that. It's just a guess off the top of my head. But I think we're going to see um, players' leverage increase in the future. Yeah, that's a good point because I was like, man, that, that's an awful lot of look at me for a guy who doesn't need to, doesn't need to, you know, go out there and posture for attention. But when, if it's attention for NIL purposes, then that makes sense, Tim. I, you know, I, I get that. All right, so. Now that we bring things back to Michigan, talking about how, you know, things look for for guys that are relevant to this roster, Tim, let's let's sort of get into first talking about Franz and Isaiah, you know, the guys who are in the NBA draft and what the outlook is for them at this point. I think the 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 talk has been that Franz is still viewed as a lottery pick, is that essentially what you're hearing as well? It, definitely. I think he'll be an excellent NBA player. You know, look, if you can't hand check, he's going to be a challenge to contain. He can go left and right, and his Euro step allows him to cover 15 feet of distance with just one dribble. Um, he's one of the top rookie defenders. I just have concerns about his NBA range, mm-hmm. and, and he was inconsistent with the college three. So I don't see many guys struggle with the college three and then all of a sudden get better from an NBA three. It's further out. Um, I, I, I do expect him to be mediocre from three in his few, first few years, and it will really define him long-term if he can make that progress. Also, I think his family lineage helps. Having a brother in the NBA definitely prepares you. I, I, I could see him possibly at New Orleans right around 10. Um, the Hornets are at 11. That that would work too. Um, but regardless, when you're talking lottery, I, I just don't see any way that he slides past Golden State at 14. And and that's their second pick. So it, I, I, I do think he'll, he'll go in the lottery. You know, initially, his freshman year, there was a reason why you could, I mean, you could point to something as to why his, his shot wasn't what we as consistent as we thought it was going to be. He breaks his wrist. He gets a late start. Got to find your stroke again. What do you, any theory behind why it, it never really got back to the level, level of consistency that we saw in the brief stints that we, you know, glimpses that we had of him before he got to Michigan and what everyone said about him coming in. It, he just, it never really materialized. I'm curious. Do you think that was hangover effect from the, the wrist injury? Was it, you know, some guys get stronger and they have to get used to their bodies again and it throws their shot off. What do you think it was with, with Franz? Well, I think that it's his base. I, I think he's a little bit upright and his feet are a little too close together. Those are correctable for sure. And in the NBA, they spend, they spend so many hours breaking down every nuance of a player. And whereas at Michigan, he was going to class. Well, maybe not this year, but he um, he's going to spend every day in the gym multiple times just shooting the ball. And and so I, I also think that, you know, if you look at his numbers, it, it's not it's not horrible. But the thing that that I worry about is pretty streaky. Like he had the games where 
he would make, you know, three or four. And then the next game he's zero for five. And so the, the, um, the numbers don't really tell the story. And I think he's capable of a lot more. All right. All right. So then Isaiah, I mean, you know, I think for him, some of the questions that, uh, you know, led him back for his senior year, he addressed them in part, but then, you know, injury set him back at the end of the year, obviously. What's the, What's the talk? What's the buzz about him in the draft now? Sam, I've talked I've talked to, to to multiple NBA scouts, and I believe Livers will get drafted on Thursday. You know, the game is all about creating space and shooting, and his NBA range to me is legit. He's got a much better base than Franz. He can cover two and the three. He is the highest character kid. Franz is too, um, and and I think that for both of them. The, the fact that they played with pro concepts at Michigan under Juwan, uh, that, that's going to be a benefit. You know Isaiah is going to interview really well. And why shouldn't he, Sam? You and I helped him pr- prepare for <laughs> the interviews on the Michigan Basketball Insider podcast. Um, and, and then also with, with the injury, that's something that's just going to heal. Um, I spoke to a director of scouting for an NBA team last week, and based on the conversation, I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if not only does he get drafted, I could see Isaiah in the top 50. Okay, good deal. I'm, I'm certainly pulling for him, and I think he's a guy that could wind up being one of those second round. I, I like your comparison. I mean, he is, he's not, uh, he hasn't displayed quite the, the level of off-the-bounce ability yet that Sadiq Bey has uh, demonstrated, but I, I like the combination of size, leadership, shooting ability. You know he's a willing defender. Uh, I like that comparison you made, Tim. Uh, he he does not have a first-round grade right now, but we've seen some second-round guys develop into big-time players. I'm not saying that, that that's going to be the case, but I'm I just pointing out that second round, there are second-rounders that are doing big things. Chris Middleton, for instance, is a second-rounder that's doing big things. No, you're right, and... I'm a fan, actually, of um, finding players that play similar to the guy in front of them in the rotation. From a consistency and a continuity standpoint, if Sadiq Bey is your three for the next 10 years, well, why not have the guy that would be spelling him with a very similar game? Everybody would get comfortable with the, you know, the, the three and D concepts. And so with, I believe, three second-round draft picks, the Pistons might even take a look at, at Isaiah Livers with that pick. So I got to ask you, Tim, uh, you know, most conventional wisdom is that the Pistons go Cade Cunningham at the, at the number one pick. And even though they went point guard last year, can all of these pieces play on the court together? What do you think about that? No, I do. I do. And, and, and I was thinking about this the other day. I believe you were at the top 100 camp, weren't you, um, in 2018? I was. Yeah, so, you know, just some of the names that that were there. Um, how about Cade Cunningham? Um, Jaden Springer was there. Terrence Williams, Musa Jabati, and, and, and Franz Wagner. And there, there were a lot more. And, and I don't know if, if I walked away feeling like Cade Cunningham is definitely the, the the number one pick in the draft. I mean, he's he's improved, and he also fits the mold of that multi-positional 
versatile wing player. And I also think that his skill set can help some of the the concerns that they have about uh, about Killian Hayes. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll help with the ball handling, he'll help with the playmaking. He's a good shooter, good leader. He, he's got a lot of intangibles. So while I cannot sit there and say with confidence that he's a Hall of Famer, I definitely think he's the obvious first pick. And I also think that he's a very good fit for the Pistons. Yeah, my, my I guess my question would be, I think all those things that you just mentioned are absolute uh, strengths and desirable qualities to have uh, in a in a guy in your backcourt. Question is, I, I haven't seen Kay Cunningham play much off the ball, and with Killian mm-hmm. Hayes, aren't you aren't you asking Kay Cunningham to play off the ball at that point? Well, I, I mean, I saw Giannis bring the ball up the court. I saw Devin Booker bring the ball up the court. The the role of of traditional point guard has somewhat gone away, and so. I, I could see Kay Cunningham bringing the ball up the court a lot, uh, just like Grant Hill did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see how it all plays out, of course. And definitely not just for Pistons fans, but for NBA fans. Uh, a lot of people uh, thinking that that Kay Cunningham uh, pick is a no-brainer, but you're giving us some food for thought. There's some Evan Mobley people out there. There's some Jalen Green people out there. So, you know, time will tell as far as how that goes. All right, but this roster... This roster, the guys that Michigan has, uh, you know, returning and the guys that Michigan is adding expectations for next year with this uh, with this returning roster. And let's start off first, though, with a question from the crowd. Uh, Questions about what you think the starting lineup will be, number one, and what you think their most potent lineup, most potent scoring lineup will be. That could be. Answers to that could be two different questions. There were actually some scenarios that were presented. Uh, they being, hey, playing with playing with one big on the floor, and with that being Hunter Dickinson, or do you go two bigs? Is it going to be more effective to have two bigs on the floor with having Musa and Hunter out there at the same time? Well, it's um, it's a fun question to ponder, and and I think the starting lineup is very obvious. Um, first of all, Devontae Jones at the point, Eli Brooks at the two. They can share the ball handling responsibilities. Caleb Houston is going to love playing with Hunter Dickinson on the weak side. Um, I think Brandon Johns at the four. I like his versatility, and and you can go small off the bench if you want. And then Hunter Dickinson at the five. And I, I really think with their lineup, Michigan goes back-to-back. Back. Yeah. I, I really believe that they will be the Big Ten champs. Um, Purdue will be a challenge with Williams and Ivy. Um, the, the big the big men in this conference are going to be outstanding again. When, when you think about Key and Liddell at Ohio State, um, it, it, Kofi Coburn at Illinois, they're, they're just, I mean, there's a lot of good big men. Um, and Michigan's depth is what really is going to separate them. And Sam, think about this for a second. When, when you're looking at Michigan's roster, Zeb Jackson is a, a multi-positional guard who's a superb athlete, and I think he's going to make a jump this year. Mm. He's probably your man. Like, like there, there's going to be games that he's just not going to get in his 11th man. And I think, I think he still has potential, and I think he's a pretty good player. So that tells you right there why I think Michigan is going to be the best team in the Big Ten. Wow, that's an that's a interesting projection for, for Zeb. would be great if it works out that way. Uh, not a lot of people talking about him. A lot of people are talking about Caleb Houston 
though. So what are your expectations for, for Caleb next year? Well, he didn't shoot very well at the FIBA U19. Right. Um, but don't worry, he will in Ann Arbor. He's a big jump shooter with a perfect release. His hands at the point of release reminds me a little bit of Ray Allen. Um, okay, that that's a little bit unfair probably, but I'm just saying I love Ray Allen's release, and I think Caleb Houston, his release is beautiful too. So you've got to pencil him at the small forward. He's going to play a similar role to Duncan Robinson where he's that weak side shooter, and you're going to see Hunter Dickinson on the left block with the ball, and Caleb's toes are going to be on the three-point line, and they're going to work so well together because you can't double off of him, and, and Hunter is going to get even more space because he's playing with such a good shooter. Um, I think he's going to have stopper capabilities from day one, strong transition player, and and I think everybody better enjoy him because he's going to be in Michigan for one year, and then he's going to be on everybody's top 10 draft board one year from today. Yeah, he didn't shoot it great, but he was, you know, he was definitely aggressive, definitely an alpha out there, 17 points a game, six double-figure scoring games uh, that he had over there, but didn't shoot it a, a great a great, great clip, but I, I just, <laughs> I think you got to be careful for those, the fans out there that saw that and got some concern. You never base an assessment of a, of a player on, on one event or one run. You got to take the, the bigger sample space and the dude has just been an, a lights out shooter uh, for, for years. That doesn't, that doesn't go away. That, that to me uh, is the measure for him. And I agree with you. I think he's going to be, uh, in the starting lineup and probably Michigan's most, uh, you know, most um, uh, impactful freshman this year. We, time will tell on that. But let's look at some of the other guys. So what's your expectation for Devontae Jones uh, coming in here, Tim? What kind of impact do you think he's going to have? What's your expectation for him? Well, Sam, the, the biggest upgrade for Michigan this year is at the point guard spot. Mike Smith did a good job, but Devontae Jones is a pro. Uh, he's big and he's physical and he's tough and he's fast. Um, and I'm not saying he's an NBA player, but he 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 is going to make a lot of money playing basketball. Um, at the G League Draft Combine, I think that Devontae surprised a lot of people. He really shines in transition. His pick and roll game is excellent. And, and you know, he, he has, he's played really well um, with with his new teammates, from what I've heard, and he's going to imp- appreciate the environment. Think about this: Coastal Carolina is a beautiful campus, right? Mm-hmm. But but now he's in the big time. He's getting star treatment. Uh, do you think Coastal Carolina has a, a warm tub and a cold tub in their locker room? <laughs> a, a luxurious locker room, around the clock access to a basketball cath- cathedral, which is Chrysler, um, and his teammates. In a, just a normal scrimmage, it's high level. Uh, think about playing in the Sun Belt versus Little Rock and Georgia Southern and Troy uh, with nobody in the building. He's going to go crazy playing at Michigan State and Ohio State and Indiana. So, and I also think, Sam, that at the end of the year, that, that Devontae Jones will make one of the, the top three all Big Ten teams. I think he's going to be a really good player. And also, what about this? Frankie Collins probably was thinking, you know what? I don't want any point guard to come in. I want to be the man next year. But long-term, Frankie Collins is going to grow more than anybody else from playing against Devontae Jones every day. Yeah, and and being and learning from him, too. 
learning from playing behind him and learning from him directly. That was one of the uh, one of the appeals to him to get him to come to Michigan. Hey, we want you to come play, develop, help us win, help us grow Frankie Collins up. And I, I guess the, the thing to me, you expected him to be a good pick-and-roll guy, which Hunter said he was when we talked to him. He showed one of the things that a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the analysts are talking about. He showed a good mid-range game uh, as well, yep. that in-between game that is so valuable for a guy like that to, you know, to have a nice runner to compliment to compliment that arsenal of you, especially if you got some uh, some of the size that's going to be underneath the basket that he's going to face here in in this conference, uh, to be able to have that to complete his offensive arsenal, I think uh, makes it a good bet, like you said, for him to be uh, a representative for Michigan on some of the All Big Ten teams. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. So moving on to Musa, I mentioned uh, the big lineup. I asked that. That was a verbatim question because I'm like you. I have Brandon Johns uh, in the starting lineup. I think that's kind of a big lineup. I guess, uh, you know, Musa is a little bit taller. But, you know, fans definitely looking at the five-star status, seeing the promise there and wondering if his trajectory, uh, you know, might be for him to grow up in some of the ways that we saw Hunter grow up last year and be, uh, you know, kind of a twin tower scenario. This is coming from the fans again. Do you see that kind of lineup being effective for Michigan at any point this year, Musa and Hunter on the floor together? No, no doubt. And and he actually fits better because, like, Hunter, Hunter is your center and Brandon Johns is your power forward. Well, Musa plays both positions equally well. He's active. He's aggressive. Um, and I think he's the perfect complement to both of those guys. Now, I don't think you're going to be impressed with his shooting ability at the beginning, um, you know. But but he changes the game, and and when 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 you're playing against Hunter Dickinson, even Brandon Johns, it's normal for opponents to relax when they go to the bench, thinking, okay, good, you know, I, I've got their sub now. That that's a great scenario for a guy like Musa to come in. And with his energy level, you know, he's he's going to be very effective. His game right now is not shooting the ball. It's drop, step, and finish, run in transition, you know, catch and dunk, offensive rebounds. And 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 going back to, you know, we talked about the 2018 Top 100 camp with Cade um, and Jaden Springer. Th- there were a lot of other really good players, too. There's Patrick Williams of the Bulls. 
Anthony Edwards, the um, you know, the, just the stud point guard for for Minnesota, Scotty Lewis, like like those guys were all out there. But to me, Musa really shined, and and in that kind of a setting, you're looking for big guys that don't need the ball. You know, the guards are going to keep it and take most of the shots, but he was still really effective and and had a lot of games right around a double double where no plays were called for him. He just he generates points and rebounds and, and excitement because he plays so darn hard. What a what a unique combination of size, talent, and energy. Not many guys have all three of those. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a, a great compliment to both uh, Brandon and Hunter. And Hunter being the focal point of the team, the best guy on the team, a lot of expectations for him. He said he's coming back to win it all, coming back to finish what they – but they started last year. So he he hasn't lowered the bar of expectation for himself. What's the bar of expectation for, for Tim McCormick? What do you think? What do you expect from Hunter this year? Well, it's very unique that in today's game that you've got an All-American, an All-Big Ten star um, that comes back. And and I think that he, um, he, he really has propelled his game into – the conversation to be a future NBA draft pick. And I think he'll be better this year. Uh, friends that, that were at the G League draft combine said that he looked like he had firmed up his body. He was in better shape. He He's expanded his range a little bit. Look, he's not going to be a three-point shooter, I don't think. I just I don't love the form, but he certainly looks good enough to make it 15 feet it in. Um, and I had mentioned to you, I had a conversation with Luca Garza, from Iowa, and he said, I think Hunter can really shoot it. Now, I don't know if he's just being a good friend, but but it's important that Hunter doesn't forget who he is. And also, you know, be aware um, from from Michigan's standpoint, I think that, that Juwan owes it to him to allow him to experiment. I mean, he, he came back as an All-American to help win games. And so what I would do, I would, I would sit down with Hunter at the beginning of the year and say, look, every time you have a game in which you get three dunks, go ahead and shoot a three. You know, that, that's your reward. And when, when your game, when you get your 10th rebound, go ahead and shoot a three. You know, one or two a game, I could live with that and just kind of monitor how he does. Now, if he's, if he's one for 12, then, you know, you, you scale it back. But if all of a sudden he's, he's three or four for 12, then you'd say, you know what? You, you can step out and shoot a couple per game. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Gotcha. All right. Definitely, like we said, uh, I mean, I'm like you. I, I just, I know they're, Purdue's going to be good. Uh, I think that Matt Painter's done an excellent job. They got some excellent bigs. I think, uh, you know, Jay Nivey is, is supposed to be uh, taking his game to another level. And I think he will. Uh, but I just think the the weapons, the depth, I mean, we didn't even get into Kobe Bufkin. And just, I, I've been checking on all the guys. Uh, but I've been particularly interested to see if, to hear if what he was showing in pickup during the summer is translating. And the words that I got is, look, the, uh, the freshmen are flashing. They've all had their moments. Uh, but I was told that Kobe definitely has their attention and that the expectation yeah, is that yeah. Kobe Bufkin is definitely going to be a rotation guy. He has to keep it up, but they, they're looking at him as a rotation guy. Yeah, I think he's ahead of Barnes. Um, I think that that the key for Kobe Bufkin as a freshman is he's going to thrive in pace situations. Um, in a half-court game, 
it can get a little bit overwhelming. Um, I think in the non-conference, he'll probably shine because Michigan's going to play really fast, and and that's where speedy shooting guards are going to are going to do really well. Um, I do think I I do think that he is in a position to warrant some really good minutes. Um, I've also heard really good things about Will Shutter. Mm. Mm. <laughs> good problems, good problems. not even a problem. Good news, right? That the freshmen are flashing. Early. Speaking of freshmen, Tim, I just had to pick your right This is not necessarily Michigan related, but it is. Uh, the number one team in the country to a lot of people, Gonzaga. The Zags, even with, you know, losing <laughs> one of the best players in, in the country. The expectation is, a, few, a couple of the best players in the country, the, the expectation is that they are going to be right back contending for a championship again one of the reasons chet holmgren people michigan fans are familiar with chet holmgren wound up being the number one player in the country michigan recruited him uh he looked hard at them ultimately decided on on gonzaga and skip bayless recently made this comment tim i'm going to read it to you verbatim gonzaga's chet holmgren will be the best white american player since larry bird now look (laughs) <laughs> I, I I think Chet Holmgren is an amazing talent. Uh, and I have made comparisons in terms of style of play to guys. Rare, I, I don't know that I've ever said a kid is going to be the next so-and-so. But if I did, I don't know that I would ever say next Jordan, next Larry Bird. Talk about pressure, Tim. That's a whole lot of pressure there to put on Chet Holmgren. Yeah, why Why would anybody make such a, a ridiculous comparison to Larry Bird, a top 10 player of all time? I think it's unfair. Um, maybe a little self-serving from a, a commentary standpoint to generate Twitter response. Um, and, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to give Skip a little bit of a pass because maybe what he's saying is since Larry Bird, meaning not Larry Bird, but since him, um, that, that would be a little easier to take, but, but the, the point is that, that Skip thinks that Chet is going to be, um, you know, a, a transformational player in the NBA. He's a superb talent. He's creative. He's skilled, probably the number one pick. Um, the problem that I have is that he's built like Sean Bradley, mm-hmm. definitely better with the ball, but at 205 pounds, here's what I worry about his center of gravity. And, and I, I think he's going to struggle with physicality. And, I, and, and as I was watching the finals, I was watching P.J. Tucker of the Bucks, And he's six foot five, and, and he's about 250 pounds. I would put him on Chet Holmgren and be really physical. And, and how does he handle that? Um, remember, at the high school level, Chet is able to drive. And, and typically he can't get all the way, so he spins back, and it's a really good move. But I think that in the NBA they'll dial in on that and send a double team once he starts driving, knowing that the D can be there when he hits that spin. Also, on defense, how's he going to do covering fours and fives with the lack of strength? Will that be an issue? Mm-hmm. So I, um, I, I think that he's going to have a 12, you know, 12-year NBA career, probably score 10,000 points. 
maybe make an all-star team. I don't know if, um, if, if you would call him undervalued if he's not Larry Bird. So <laughs> that, that's, kind of, that's kind of my thought. Yeah, so his, I mean, I think people see seven-footer uh, and they expect center. And his dad, when I talked to his dad, but my son's not a center. And he's absolutely right. And that's not wishful thing. His game is is more like KD. His game is more like... Giannis or somewhere in between in terms of his style. He's a he's a drop put it on the floor, drive, can uh you know is as a ball handler, I mean he he has the arsenal to be that long. Cross you over, go behind the back, step back three. He's not a big man. He's just tall. He's a he's a really really long wing. Now, that doesn't excuse him from the physical part of the game that you're talking about, Tim, cuz 190 pounds, not going to cut it in the G League. I mean, he, he's got to be up around 240. He's got to be in the 240, 250 range, which is where you see KD, which is where you see uh, Giannis. And that's where – I mean, those guys are shorter. Those guys are shorter than, than Chet. So he has, he has some physical maturation – in front of him, but you know, you've seen 18 year. I mean, Giannis was, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, he was 6'9, 190 pounds as an 18 year old drafted into the NBA back in 2013. Uh, and now he's 6'11, 245. So, I mean, you know, his it, this kid's physical maturation, some of it's going to take place in college. And I think you got to look at the track similarly, don't expect him to, to be a wow. You know, wild guy. You know that's gonna that's gonna set the world on fire right now. Uh, but I think eventually he could be. I'm not ready to place that tag on him. The the best. I'm not ready to do that. But I think Chet has a chance to be really really good. Yeah, if you're looking for a comparison, I think a realistic one is Kristaps Porzingis of Dallas. Um, he's a very talented shooter. He's got good ball skills, but he's also struggled a little bit with the tag of being on the soft side. Um, so, but I, I am, I'm really anxious to see him and it's exciting to have a new story to watch. So what about NIL opportunities for, for Chet? Because you come in number one player in the country, you got Skip Bayless. I mean, Hey, it may have been a self-serving comment for Skip, but it doesn't, it doesn't do a disservice from an NIL standpoint for a guy like Chet. I mean, you might not like the comparison. It might be some pressure, but it also is profile. I mean, nationally, his name has buzz. That does that not play on the NIL or in the NIL space for him? It does, and and I think he he will he will have a nice car and he's going to make some really good money. But I just hope that players don't get distracted um, with with NIL. There, there's going to be a lot of rumors out there that so and so got this deal and. You know, if, if players start chasing and worrying about that rather than their game and their academics, people are probably scoffing when I say academics, but I still think that's important that that when you're on a college campus, the growth opportunities are tremendous um, to, 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 to learn how to interact with people, to be responsible, to have to show up for a class. And I, I think that stuff is important. But in terms of NIL, um, I, I I would be shocked without even trying if, if you can't get a kid like Chet Holmgren six figures for, for just being a college basketball player for a year. But remember, he's going to be making, you know, $5 million a year before he even knows about it. So money is not an issue today. It won't be an issue in the future for Chet Holmgren. Yeah, I 
look, I I I don't think NIL is is a panacea. Um, you know, it it is going to have some issue. You're gonna see, for instance, some kids get taken advantage of. You're gonna see some scammers out there. I was talking to Desmond Howard about it. You're gonna see some scammers. You're gonna see some kids get distracted. You're gonna see some kids uh, maybe be envious of teammates. Uh, you're gonna see some academics. I, I think this increases the challenge of the coaching staffs, of the administ- the the admin, the 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 support roles that you have in these college programs. I mean, it's the coaches are talk about paychecks. Uh, coaches are going to put more in earning those paychecks in managing this. It's going to increase the challenge. Uh, but again, I keep saying, man, this was this was long overdue. And I'll give you I'll give you maybe the best example of why I think this was long overdue. So the NCAA Tim last year lost fifty percent of its revenue, fifty percent of its revenue, and a lot of a lot of businesses lost 50% of their, their revenue. A lot of businesses went over went under during COVID, lost out, lost everything. The companies that survived, one of the ways they survived is they maybe they cut staff, uh, they cut salaries. At Michigan, for instance, they furloughed a lot of people. The, the coaches took pay cuts. Ward Manuel took pay cuts. Uh, it took a pay cut. Well, the NCAA, 50% of the revenue, uh, you know, chopped off. You furloughed some people, but guess whose salary went up? Mark Emmert's uh, salary yeah. went up to two point nine million dollars. The the CEO of the NCAA, his salary went up to one point seven million dollars. The executive VP, his salary went up to one point three million dollars. You can't just in that kind of environment when you see that kind of brazen disregard for what's going on around you in the sport. That just tells you that you know what there's there's time. It's time to start spreading some of that money making, some of those money making opportunities out. Yeah, the the optics are not a strength of the NCAA, and that's an understatement. You know, really nice people, but but they they just they do so many things that make me think, why in the world isn't somebody in a room saying, you know, maybe we should do some critical thinking on some of these. Um, I, I think that that those massive salaries could be split up, you know, have more people that are out there talking to schools and, you know, especially football and basketball where there's so much at stake. Um, I, I just, it wouldn't surprise me if 20 years from now that the NCAA is either gone or doesn't look anywhere like it does today. I think you're exactly right. And, and Mark Emmer said as much, maybe it's time to decentralize and deregulate college sports and this is the president of the NCAA I mean that's like what you do and he's basically saying well uh, this there's no longer a lane for us uh I think essentially what he's saying is maybe maybe we'll just run championships and and down the line there won't be salaries like like his but what does he care at the end of the day he'll probably be retired by the time they cut the uh, the president's salary but this is this is the kind of conversation that we look forward to having in the next time we come together in a couple weeks Tim both you and I will have some reflections. The NBA Players Association Top 100 camp, to me, hands down, the best camp experience for these kids and their families because I think that's really what sets this apart as you guys not only school the, the players 
and use NBA guys to do it, but you also school their families uh, in the process of how to support uh, these young men as they come up in the ranks? Well, that's the support system, and we want to empower the parents to make sure they understand. Um, we're doing doing some parent information education on Zoom. Uh, we just didn't think that with variants and and with spikes that it, it it's a it's a smart move. There's that critical thinking. We didn't think it was a good idea to bring people into a close room and and have classroom settings. So it'll be a little different this year. But yeah, that that's a big part of our our objective. All right. Well, looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing you, Tim. Uh, Folks, always look forward to talking to you. We'll do it again next time here on the Michigan Basketball Insider. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.